Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is a Tag Tuesday edition here on Bird 365. We're going to talk about the franchise tag, but between you and I with the deadline today, I'm 100% sure the Philadelphia Eagles aren't going to tag anybody. Uh, no one on their roster deserves to be tagged. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jordan McDonald hanging with you. Um, am I speaking out of turn, John McMullen? Are they going to shock the world, or at least Jordan McDonald, uh, by tagging Derek Barnett today? There's no chance Eagles are using the franchise tag today, is there? No chance. But, you know, and people have said that, and I said, well, the reason why is because, you know, Dallas Goddard would have got tagged if they didn't work something out. So, I mean, they did. And even Josh Sweat, there was a potential if they didn't work something out. Uh, obviously, Jordan Mailata, but that was really early. So that was all. So there were a lot of potential guys. And I don't like, you know, there's been some people who said, Eagles don't have anybody good enough. Oh, they had plenty of people good enough for the franchise tag. They just got it all done, which is what you're supposed to do, which is actually a positive uh, from the standpoint of, you know, making the player happy because, you know, nobody wants that franchise tag. It's, it's from a player's perspective, you know, they, they complain about, they complain about it so much. You wonder, well, guess what? You collectively bargained it. So go to your union and say, you know, try to hold out and get this thing out of here. But it's, it's a two way street. Obviously you're making a lot of money, but you know, people want long-term security. The Eagles had a lot of options uh, if they weren't able to get things done, but that's what they tend to do. They target players early. They get team friendly deals. And that was the case with all those players. You are right to give Howie Roseman credit for it because you're right. They had two or three, three or four guys. You just ran them down for uh, all our Birds fans out there who very well could have been in the conversation for a franchise tag had they not gotten extension deals done during the year. So uh, good on Howie for that. Um, no, None of the remaining free agents that they have are even in the conversation for a no. franchise tag. No. Uh, the one place where, and I didn't say, you didn't say this was your opinion, you said this is the opinion of players. So I guess I'm agreeing with a lot of players around the national football. Now there are some that are, are superstar type players uh, that absolutely are losing out if they don't get a uh, contract extension done. It's not like the franchise tag is you're forced to play for a buck 380. It's a pretty good number that these guys are getting. Yes, it's only one year, but if you want to bet on yourself that you can continue to ascend in your career and get better as a player, probably the biggest thing is avoid a very serious injury. Well, Chris Godwin just had a serious injury and it didn't stop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, they haven't done it yet, but I'm uh, pretty well assured and it's being pretty uh, detailed reported that he's going to get the franchise tagged down in Tampa. All that money's guaranteed. 
soon as you decide to sign the tag, they'll slap the tag on them today. Today's the last day to do so. And then the players have a whole bunch of time that they can wait before they have to sign the franchise tag. Uh, and when they do, all that money is guaranteed. You're guaranteed the, the numbers that are out for the three guys who got tagged. I got to wrote that down. Where the hell are they? Um, linebacker. No. Uh, tight end. Which is tight end deep. was 10 and change, 10.9. Yeah. Orlando Brown, left tackle, 16.6. And Bates at safety, 12.9. That's guaranteed money. $12.9 million guaranteed for this upcoming year for Bates. Uh, was he expecting? Could he have gotten more? Well, remember, it's the Cincinnati Bengals we're talking about, right? Yeah. Maybe the cheapest franchise in the entire National Football League. Now, the one place they're almost forced to keep up with the Joneses is with salary for players. You can't dance around that, but in other ways you can say much. But I'm guaranteeing you that the, the Bengals are like pulling out their hair, that they have to guarantee $12.9 million for a safety. Safeties, John McMullen. Safeties who nobody values in the National Football League anymore. Bates is going to get almost $13 million this year from Cincinnati. Please, can someone... Uh, beat me up with a franchise tag. I, I well, yeah, it's all it's a, right now. Yeah, it, it's all relative from a player perspective. Now I'll you know I criticize them. Now I'll defend them a little bit. But again, it's their union's problem. So they gotta they gotta get their house in order first. There's a couple issues with the franchise tags that players really have a problem with. One, and you kind of brought it up with Orlando Brown. One is the categories. Like the categories in the modern that's something NFL. they negotiated. Yeah, that, exactly. that's where you really need to make your. And that's why I said, if you heard me at the beginning, that's a union problem. You got to right. you've got to get your own house in order, because Orlando Brown, and and that's when you talk about franchise players. Look at those positions, Jody. Safety, lesser value, tight end, don't make a lot of money. Now, left tackle, you say, oh, it's a left tackle. That's different. No, it's not because they they it's offensive linemen. That's the category. So right. the centers are in there and the guards are in there, and that takes things down a little bit from where it would be um, if it were just the, the left tackle, so to speak. And then you have linebacker, which is the most devalued position of all, right? We always talk about that. Well, I got the memo. Here's the number for linebackers. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. 18.7 million for linebacker. And everybody's going, linebacker? Well, because there's edge rushers on the 3-4, they put in the linebacker linebacker, category instead of just using them Hmm. as an edge rusher category with the defensive ends. That's why you're never going to see a linebacker tag, (laughs) never in the history of the world. Sometimes you even see in years past, you've seen kickers tag because that number is so low. Uh, it's generally like David and, and, and Joko. People are saying, "Why are they tagging?" Well, because it's it's cheap. They can yeah. do it, and they can get away with it, uh, relatively. Now, while I say cheap, the average fan's not going to look at you know over ten million dollars and say it's cheap. But comparatively speaking, especially where the salary cap is going next year, um, and and even this year with the big spike post COVID. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a silly system, and you have to wonder why they do it the way they do it. And running back is is a disaster. I mean, running back is under – running back, besides kicker and punter, Jody, is the only uh, franchise number under $10 million at 
$1.57 million. So that tells you where that position is. Um, yeah, but the offensive linemen aren't uh, differentiated. The three, four linebackers aren't differentiated. Um, so, you know, they have all these problems and everybody blames the NFL. And look, go knock yourself out. Blame the NFL all you want. I don't care. I mean, but that's their own problem. That's in-house. Go talk to D. Smith. Go talk to him and say, this stinks. I, I, I mean, until you get to that point, I don't know how, and, you know, let's be honest, they just ratified the new CBA, so it's going to be here for a while. But So this is long-term thinking, and players have short shelf life, so they're not caring about 10 years down the road. But, um, you know. Call D. D. Smith. That's the problem if you have an issue with it. This is year two of a 10-year collective bargaining agreement, if I'm not mistaken. 2021, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, you're right. Uh, the the whole grouping of the players and how you designate the players and the like, the, the Players Association just plain got host. But I'll revert back to my original point was, it's not like they're asking you to go to play in Oshkosh. Guaranteed no. money... Uh, eight digits, except for kickers and punters and running backs. Everybody's in the eight. It's it's not the worst punishment ever. It's one year, and then you have some flexibility to be able to come back and resign. Uh, we mentioned the guys who did get the tag. Looks like Chris Godwin's going to get the tag. Uh, there's a couple other. The tag deadline is today, and you did mention the salary cap, which they officially released the number. There was. Good speculation as to what the number was going to be. You see all these websites uh, under the cap.com and uh, they're all using numbers that they are projecting. But we found out the official number is $208.2 million, um, which means the Eagles will have some serious cap flexibility going into free agency. And that's television money. The NFL took its hit like all major sports did during COVID and they had to balance the books and spread it out over years because the players didn't want to get sniffed and the owners didn't want to get sniffed. Uh, it shot back up pretty quickly, Johnny Mac. The NFL still doing very good business. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Wait do you see next year because that's when the real TV escalators kick in. Um, it's going to really explode. So you're going to see some um, big contracts uh, coming out, and you're going to be wondering why the spike, uh, and the spike is projected on what's coming next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think I saw it after the Super Bowl, the top 100 television shows, and uh, I think 90 something was NFL games. So, I mean, yeah. They pay out the you-know-what, and television rights is the golden goose, and it's going up and up and up. And the only it only went down one year, and that's because of COVID. Yep. Um, now, one year, I think it stayed stagnant just because of, of, of the lack of escalators. But um, And then you have the gambling aspect, which we're going to get into with Calvin Ridley. They're expecting huge revenues from that. So, you know, from a player perspective, there's always going to be complaints, and we just talked about some of them, but they're going to be in good shape. All right, let's go there, because I did see a number quoted uh, tied to the Calvin Ridley story 
that this past year, the NFL made $270 million in additional revenue due to gambling numbers, due to gambling advertising <clears throat> partnerships with gambling sites. That's not $270 million. That's $270 million additional dollars, new dollars added to the big pie that everybody gets. So God bless them. They're cashing in uh, big time. That's my issue with what happened with Calvin Ridley yesterday. Um, it was reported, for those of you who've been uh, away from the sports world, if you listen to the birds, 365 in the morning. I'm guessing most everybody knows, but just in case they didn't, Calvin Ridley, who missed the pretty much entire second half with the Falcons last year, uh, mental health issues, certainly something <laughs> people in Philadelphia understand because uh, Ben Simmons did the exact same thing for the first half of the Eagles for the Sixers season this year. Um, was away from the team, apparently had trouble spending his downtime in productive ways, uh, got on a sports betting app, placed a bunch of bets in the National Football League on the Atlanta Falcons. We got to get on record with this. Didn't bet against the Falcons. He wasn't playing anyway. He was sitting at home with his phone in his hand, punching in parlays. Means but... he's a bad gambler on top of it. Uh, right. It, it, first of all, he's breaking the rules. And second of all, he's not good at it. Maybe uh, that attribute added to the mental health issues he was having. He kept picking losers by backing his Falcons. Uh, they they did catch him, and uh, I saw the story, and I will be 100% honest. Maybe you can help me out, John. Um, they've got uh, digital partners that can identify when guys are making bets. Yeah. How did they catch Calvin Ridley at making these wagers on his phone? Well, he went home, he was in Florida, he made three parlay bets, only three parlay bets, and they included the Falcons, and I, I think he ended up, he said he ended up uh, betting about 1500 bucks. bucks, right. Um, and he's due, I think, $11 million this year, so. Um, and then the NFL, he did it on, like everybody does it, one of their online apps, it was in Florida, um, I think it was a hard rock, and, and, and. Uh, they have sort of this uh, service that keeps an eye on NFL players, and they flagged it, and they sent it, uh, uh, and and it, and what happened happened. It, it does seem unfair, um, you know, but it, yeah, I I I have a real problem with this because we just talked about it in a different philosophy, and I've had a problem with this dating back to Ray Rice because it's real easy. Because I think, and I always go back to Ray, because that was the first, if you remember, the first where the NFL just got hammered uh, for for what they did in personal conduct. And since that day, and you'll see it a hundred times, and you're already seeing it with with Calvin Ridley. Well, and a lot of people have gone the Stephen route, uh, Stephen Ross route, which hasn't even been proven yet. But let's assume it's true for the sake of this argument. And Stephen Ross, if Stephen Ross was paying people to tank games, he sh the team should be taken away from him. I, I, I haven't heard anybody who disagrees with that. Now, we got to get to that point, and we'll see what, what the evidence holds. But Stephen Ross is an owner, and he's under a different uh, umbrella. He's under a different umbrella than the players who signed a CBA. The better example of this is, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, Jody. Well, the NFL doesn't care about domestic abuse, but they suspend people for weed. 
when 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 they used to suspend people for weed, they don't really do it anymore uh, through collective bargaining. Again, it's dumb, sort of like the system we just talked about in, in, in the categories. In the CBA, there are structured penalties and there are open-ended penalties. And it, it's harder to educate people than it is to, you know, jump in with the mob and say, well, this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but those are the rules. Those are the rules under the CBA. And that's what all the players agree to. And, and, and again, it's, I'll be the first to say it's not fair. And that's why the NFL keeps winning in courts, by the way, with all these cases, because the players agreed to the CBA. And in the case of substance abuse penalties versus personal conduct penalties, the personal conduct part of it is, is again, open-ended. The substance abuse was not. There were clear yeah. and structured penalties. You fail this, you get suspended for this. You fail this twice, you get suspended for this. You fail this three times, you get very structured. And I would argue that's the better way to do it because there is no whim of an all, you know, powerful wizard behind the curtain saying, that's two games, that's four games, that's six. That's where you get in trouble when it's not structured. But that's really difficult to explain to fans, you know. It's really difficult to say, this is the reason why. I said, it's easy to go along with the crowd. But if you're trying to explain something and why something is to people, that's really difficult. And I've been swimming upstream against this for 25 years, Jody. And I have made no headway. Uh, you know, I. it's really difficult. I have it up right now because I was... You know, the CBA, the new CBA, is 456 stinking pages. Right. 456 stinking pages. Uh, you go all the way down to parts, uh, you know, page 276, you start getting into um, the penalties uh, and what the commissioner has the right to do and the structure of these particular penalties. It's really difficult, but... It's easy to go with the headline and say, oh, Stephen Ross tanking games. Calvin Ridley bet $1,500. He's suspended for a year. I don't know. That's the penalty. That's the penalty for gambling on the NFL, even if you're betting a few shekels. Roger Goodell would love to have every penalty laid out, documented, already predetermined in the CBA. It that's just not doable. That's why it is what it, it is. And both sides certainly uh, took their stances on how penalties should be uh, divvied out. There are certain offenses that have layers to them. And you do have to have some subjectivity to be able to say, well, this is worth this. Some are cut and dry. Here's my question. And you're right. The CBA is in place. So the first thing I thought when I heard it was a whole year, he's getting a whole year. But you're right, John, that's what Everett got going all the way back to Alex Karras years and years and years ago. And Paul Horning, that's the penalty. If you get caught gambling on games, it's a year suspension. So there wasn't wiggle room. There wasn't something. But should they build that in going forward? Well, we don't even have to worry about it for eight years because they've got eight more years to go on a 10-year collective bargaining agreement. 
maybe you should you could say that both sides should have had some foresight here that gambling was going to become bigger and more mainstream when the aforementioned guys uh, were getting an entire year. It, that was when people were doing 98% of their gambling illegally. The only place you could make a bet was Las Vegas and or Atlantic City. Everyone else was doing it illegally. Now today, everybody's doing it legally. Everybody's got a uh, app on their phone to make bets. So is it societally a bigger deal than it used to be? Of course it's not. But they didn't adjust it as per the CBA. So you're right. The penalty was written in stone and he was going to have to face it. He's going to be out for an entire year, which, oh, by the way, I don't know if you get these uh, on uh, social media or whatever. How many Eagles should trade for Calvin Ridley tweets and or phone yeah, calls I did you a, think over the last three months, J-Mac? Trying to buy low on Calvin Ridley. Um, yeah, I wouldn't bet on that, but uh, <laughs> pun intended. Um, I, it, look, should they change it? Uh I don't know. This is a really difficult conversation. This is one of the reasons the NFL fought gambling for so long as it did. Um, guys are going to gamble on sports. Um, I don't know how you stop it. And there is an integrity of the game aspect. And the NFL put out there, you know, but there's so many points in the integrity of the game. I, you know, well, we can talk about it in Philadelphia. We just talked about it with Stephen Ross, Ross right, that's and Tanky. I mean, you know, I've argued you should have a good faith clause in every ownership agreement when a team they should have to, you know, demand that they're trying. Basically, I mean, it's professional sports, and I've heard it from all the, um, you know, process lovers, and they think you know, people like me don't understand what they're trying to say. No. You don't understand what I'm trying to say. The NFL, look, if you're the Philadelphia Sixers, Philadelphia 76ers, Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins, your goal is to win for that particular team. Now, you decide how you want to get there. You decide how many you want. If you want to be consistently good, if you just want to get one, you know, and, and the Sixers thought they were counting cards and all this and, we're going to get these assets. The league's job, Jody, is to entertain fans, not just one fan base. Their, their, their job is to navigate the entire league. And they all talk about the integrity of the game, whether it's Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, NHL, EPL, whatever you like. They all talk about the integrity of the game. And rightfully so, but there are other ways you can address it as well, and there are many ways you you can address it. Gambling is just one of them. Look, the toothpaste is out of the tube. I, I'll be the first to admit. I I don't know. You talked about two hundred seventy million. That's a drop in the bucket. If you look at two hundred seventy million split amongst thirty two teams, is nothing when it compares to the NFL. They expect that number to be in the billions in a few years. And when it's in the billions, then I, you know, you got one guy betting fifteen hundred bucks on a on an app, on a Hard Rock app in Florida. I find it very hard to believe that Calvin Ridley was the only NFL player betting on NFL right. games. He happened and, to get caught. Uh, um, I was, 
it, it, it's I don't know how, but I'll be the first to say <clears throat> I don't know how you're going to corral it, and there's going to be a gambling scandal. There's, I mean, there is. Give credit to uh, Shane Six, who made the point I was going to make it with you, and certainly uh, uh, he said, well, Calvin Ridley should probably sus be suspended for a year because he's a dope more yeah. than he got caught gambling. Uh, Shane Point, what, how do you not just have a family member or friend or whatever? You're a millionaire. You're pulling down millions of dollars. You get a burner phone. You get a friend to sign up, use his license. You want to put the bets in, he hands the phone to you afterwards. How the hell do they know that it's Calvin Ridley putting the bets in if there's someone else's name attached to the to, to the app? Just, well, that's and that's dumb. another thing. Is, you, is you it know. dumb or is it lazy? It's it's probably a combination of the both, but how do you even get caught? You just said, I don't think Calvin Ridley was the only guy making bets. No kidding, McMullen. You're absolutely right. He's not <clears> the <throat> only one. But apparently the other ones are smart enough to cover their tracks, unlike Calvin Ridley, who was stupid enough to get caught. Yeah. I mean, I do know that, you know, I talked about the CBA and educating fans on the CBA. Well, the players don't know, Jack. You know what about the CBA either? They don't know. They're not going to sit there and uh, that's, parse that's, through. That's why they have agents, John. And yeah. you know that's an agent's job is yeah. to let the players know, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do. If an agent hasn't educated his player well enough, then he's not doing his job. Well, probably. That's probably a fair criticism. But, you know, 456 pages deep, I would argue some of them don't even go 456 <laughs> pages deep. Um, but in the case of gambling, yeah, I mean, that's on the top of the list. You can't do it. It's not fair. You know, I'll be the first to stipulate it. But then again, if you think about it from uh, the standpoint of where it could go and the negative impacts and people using inside information and getting on the hook, um, and it's happened. It's, it's happened dozens of times in the history of, of, of sports, particularly college sports, particularly college basketball. I mean, there are some uh, legendary stories uh, dating back to the 40s and 50s about people shaving points and um, it happened all the time and you can understand why when you're talking about college kids who need money and uh, all in all the thought process is, was in pro sports especially now well what if somebody who makes 11 million dollars he's not going to get on the hook for a couple hundred grand to some you know even forget about illegal gambler even legal gambler yeah. um but you know people just like it it's not it's not a matter of uh you know you, you got an 11 million dollar player you know spending 1500 bucks just because he's trying to have some fun i don't know how you fix it he had some downtime he misspent his downtime he got caught well, he shouldn't have had downtime. downtime you could argue that he should have been with his team and then you don't have the downtime, maybe. Maybe that would have fixed it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Much like with Ben Simmons, how do you either prove positively or negatively if a guy's incapable of playing because he's got mental yeah. health issues? Yeah. I don't know. That was Calvin Ridley's claim. That was Ben Simmons' claim. I can't say they absolutely had him. I can't I say they absolutely say, didn't. You know, you know how I feel about Ben Simmons. I, I don't feel that you should be have to just say, okay, you, you, ignore every 
you know, nuance of the story. And just because he says the words mental health, you have to agree with it. Too many people think that way. I saw Marcellus Wiley, you know, two extremes, our ex-friend Chris Long. They were going back and forth about Calvin Ridley and his mental health issues. Like you said, I have no idea. I don't know the kid. I, I don't know the kid. But in the case of, of, of Ben Simmons more locally, you're allowed to also look at all the other um, pieces of the puzzle because, you know, I mean, guys have been having mental health issues for years. Everyday people have mental health issues. Um, they get up and go to work because they have to get up and go to work. Um, you know, are, is that where we're going to be in a society where uh, you can sign a contract and again, nobody cares about owners, but if you sign somebody to a $25 million contract or whatever it was, and he says, oh, I can't show up to work. And oh, by the way, please give me my $25 million. I mean, I I, I can't blame somebody for saying, no, I can't do that. I, I That might be, and I'm sure I'll get criticized. I've been criticized in the past. I, I don't even understand that type of thinking. I mean, it, it, if you agree to do the work and you don't do the work, I'm sorry. I, 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 I can have empathy for your personal issues, but you're not getting paid. I mean, that's just, that's just is, that should be what it is. But it's not. And uh, for those who have suffered from mental health issues, luckily, I just speak from personal appearance, I've never had. Some people suggest of the way that I do my job. Maybe I do, but I, I'm not going to admit to it. I'm not going to use it as an explanation or an excuse. I, I don't know. And here's the only problem that I have with when someone who does not know the person is not around the person from afar wants to say, well, I know he doesn't have milk. No, you don't. If you want to say, I have my doubts as to whether he has that's fine. That's your opinion. That's speculation on your part, as long as you couch it correctly. But people feel the need to be definitive about it. You can't expect Ben Simmons to be able to play. Oh, well, oh, yeah, John McMullen just said, yeah, you kind of signed the contract. That was the expectation when both parties signed off on the contract. But nor can you say, I know for a fact that he doesn't have any mental. You don't know either. So all we know is Calvin Ridley said he had some mental health issues. He used the downtime to go out and grab a sports app and make some bets on the Falcons, which would maybe bolster the the cause for him having mental health issues betting on the Falcons this past year. Um, but he's not going. He's going to play a downtime to be able to bet again this year. Yeah. Get somebody else to put the bets in for you, Calvin, because he's not going to be playing for the Falcons. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, our buddy Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice is going to join us in hour number two. When we come back, I want to ask my partner about the article that he just wrote for Philly uh, Voice about the Philadelphia Eagles and living on the edge. We'll explain when we come back here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Jody Mac, Jody Mac, here we are on Birds 365. A Tuesday edition of Tag Tuesday. Yeah, the Eagles aren't going to be using the tag on anybody, but a couple more tags will be given out around the National Football League. Three of them came down yesterday, a couple more today on the uh, deadline day. Um, Johnny, I do want to get to the column that you wrote for Philly Voice, a very well-written column, but I want to uh, push a little further with you. But before we do, I do want to bring this up, before we leave the Calvin Ridley and uh, year-long suspension for gambling story, I was on the air on WIP last night, and um, I'm on Twitter, and people are tweeting my show. And when you're on Twitter, you have the trending column on the right-hand side, yeah. which I guess they use an algorithm to speculate on what will grab your attention, because there's always more trending Philadelphia topics on my timeline than there are nationally. I think they know that one tweeting and or uh, responding to tweets and they're Philly based because that's what uh, I talk about. That's what I uh, follow on uh, Twitter, the people that I follow. So I was kind of surprised last night. Calvin Ridley wasn't trending, but Jalen Rager was. Yeah, that's definitely the algorithm. This is the algorithm saying this person would be interested in a Philadelphia spinoff of this story. And I said, what the hell is Jalen Rager trending for? And I punch it up. Uh, So there are tweets out there uh, basically stating that they know that Jalen Rager, much like Calvin Ridley, is gambling on National Football League games. 
So I'm looking for like Adam Schefter or Jimmy Kemsky or John McMullen. I think they're trying to get him suspended. <laughs> no, it's just Eagle fans. Yes, they want to run this, uh, you know what, out of town because he's been two years of underachieving. So uh-huh. oh, Jalen Rager's betting. Uh, they could have gone there with other Eagle players too, but for some reason they zeroed in on Jalen Raker. That's cruel. Speaking of mental health, that's cruel, people. You can't advocate for mental health and then do stuff like that. But people do. It's hilarious. It's it's Twitter. It's social media. You know you're going to have to slog through it if you want to use it and be part of it. That's just... But I just thought, I go, man, please don't make Jalen Rager a sympathetic figure in my mind. There are certain players that I have opinions on with the Philadelphia Eagles, one of which is, and I said it in jest earlier, ooh, could Derek Barnett get the franchise tag from the Eagles? No chance, no shot. Good luck, Derek Barnett. Years of underachieving here in Philadelphia. Yes, please don't let the door hit you on the way out. I'm sorry I'm not a Derek Barnett fan. And pretty much the same thing with Jalen Rager. And part of it is, and I do point the accusing finger here, the Eagles coaching staff slash management, who I think try and force feed Jalen Rager on the current administration because the previous administration still in place decided to use a first round draft pick on the kid can't play. I've seen enough two years. He can't play. They should move on. They're not going to move on because of cap related issues, but I'm sorry. He's another guy. He's on my list. Everybody has their list. Derek Barnett's on mine. He's moving on. Jalen Rager's on mine. You're going to have to endure with him one more year. Um, I'm sorry when people reach that status, but I feel that way. I, I prefer not to talk about Jalen Rager. Please don't make him a sympathetic figure. Eagles yeah. fan, don't do that to me. I just yeah. want to let go of Jalen Rager. I don't want to actually have to feel bad for Jalen Rager because others are being unfair to him. Yeah, they are being unfair, but you're right. I mean, it is what it is at this point, and he has his contract, and you know, unfortunately, you're going to hold on to him uh, because there's no, you know, there's no value. You'd probably like to try to trade him. Uh, there's no value there. It costs more to get rid of him than keep him. It's one of those deals. So you just you just wait it out, and you get to that. You know, we're going to go through it. One of the other uh, things out yesterday was the uh, fifth-year option numbers uh, for Andre Dillard's class, which is coming up. The Eagles have to make a decision by May 2nd on Andre Dillard, which is not really a decision. I mean, they're not going to pick up his fifth-year option, but um, everybody in the NFL has to do that. So, you know, it's the Kyler Murray year, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, $17.85 million on his option. Quinnen Williams, your guy, $10.753. Um, down Andre Dillard, who was the 22nd pick, I believe, that year, $12.804 million. So, yeah, that's why the Eagles want to trade Andre Dillard probably this offseason um, and try to get as much back possible. Uh, for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have to wait out uh, first round picks that you don't hit on. That's part of it. And that's part of the evaluation process. And it's fair to say at this point, I think the Eagles didn't make a mistake with Jalen Rager. That is a fair criticism, more yeah, than as, fair. As uh, 
and I've been a a critic of uh, Mr. Dillard too. Uh, John more of a defender, me more of a detractor. That being said, he's not even near as big a disappointment as Rager has been. He's had an extra year, injuries added to it, of course, um, but as, as disappointed in him as I am, and yeah, there's no chance, zero chance of picking up the fifth-year option on him. Um, Rager's even worse, uh, which is kind of tough to say when Dillard's been damn close to a bust. But I, yeah, no, I should cut Dillard some slack. He just got outplayed by Mylotta. It wasn't like uh, he, he continued to play and he continued to do nothing. He didn't even play because he got beat out by a guy who was drafted significantly after him in the draft. So I don't know which is worse, playing and not producing or being beat out by someone who was drafted after you. I, and Johnny, there I are, real quick, Jody, before you move on, there are players, just because I pulled up the numbers for uh, – uh, uh, Andre Dillard's draft class. There are people you move on for, move on from Washington, Dwayne Haskins. So, of all the 32 picks, the only guys who don't have their fifth year options coming up are Dwayne Haskins and DeAndre Baker. And that's kind of what happens with Baker. It's off the field stuff. Right. So, they had to move on. You know, Jeff Gladney recently, same type of thing. He was a first round pick, won't be an issue because he got arrested. Um, Henry Ruggs, another example. That's usually the stuff. If you just miss, you got to wait it out, typically. Typically. And the Eagles will play the game, but they'll. there's no way they're going to be picking up that option. All right, J-Mac, I appreciated your article in uh, Philly Voice yesterday about Eagles living on the edge that with those three first-round draft picks, which they have as of right now, we'll continue to debate right up until the day of the draft. Which I don't, Let me start there. By the way, did you see Jimmy's – you you have to check out Jimmy's latest mock draft. You'll love it. (laughs) Really? Is it up on the site today? Yeah. So on on our next break. I must have missed it. On our Um, next break. I will do that. I'll check it because Kemsky's joining us next hour. Um, You don't think the Eagles will make a move with one of their three draft picks like well before the draft? The year that they moved up – That's possible. That's possible. Yeah. I mean, they moved the year they last year they moved. Remember, they moved down before they moved back up. They moved uh, from six to 12. uh, And that was a good deal because Howie, you know, remember at the time and your guy, Peter King, reported this. When when exactly did that deal go down? Uh, I don't remember the dates offhand. I'd have to look it up. But it was before the draft. It was before the draft. The Eagles went from 6 to 12. And then during the draft, obviously, they went up from 12 to 10. Um, You know, remember, Miami had two first-round picks because they made a deal with uh, San Francisco. Right. And at the time, you know, the Dolphins were coming off the 10 and 6 season – and I think uh, the 49ers were 6-10 and 10 because they had a ton of injuries. That was the year where they were just devastated. And, you know, Howie insisted on taking his choice, San Francisco's pick or Miami's pick. Right. And he made the right evaluation. Look, it was close. San Francisco won 10 games. Miami won nine. I think people forget Miami won nine games. They weren't right. a bad football team. But – he made the right decision because San Francisco got in the playoffs and made the run. Right. And then they get to the NFC championship game. And all of a sudden they're picking 29th. 
So if he made the wrong decision, that 15th pick would be 29 today. Huge. Yeah. So that is significant. Uh, that is a significant, correct decision. And it wasn't an easy decision because a lot of people at the time would have said, well, Miami's better than San Francisco. And how he kind of knew San Francisco was an anomaly, their bad season. Good coach, good team. Nick Bosa back. It was it was a good decision. Right. And here's the point I was trying to get at. And you're right for giving Howie credit for that, that I had never uh, heard that until yesterday. I guess it was the first time I ever read that or heard that, that Howie demanded the choice of those two picks, that he wasn't going to leave it up to the Dolphins to dictate which of the two picks they were going to get. That He said, no, no, I want my choice. And he made the choice and took the Dolphins. And yeah, 14-pick difference is huge. Peter King had that whole story in his article yesterday. I'd never heard that before. So another good job by Howie. Um, about moving up prior to the actual draft day and or even more succinct, while the teams are on the clock, if I'm the one that's moving up, I'm going to really try and avoid, and the Eagles may try and trade up. There's a better chance they trade down. There's a very good chance they trade out and try and grab another pick. But if it so happens that the Eagles decide we're going to take two of these picks, combine them together to move up to target a specific player, you damn well straight, I better know that that guy's on the board when that pick's coming up. I'm not doing that two days in advance because, ooh, we are hearing that Kyle Hamilton may fall down to number seven. Yeah, and I don't. It, yeah, I agree with you. You don't do it that way. You got to make sure if you have a specific player in mind, you got to you got to make sure he's there. It, generally, those pre-draft trades. You know, if you go back to Carson Wentz here, obviously, when you go up to the top of the draft, you kind of know. Right. You got one or two. You know. Yeah. You've only eliminated. Potentially yeah. one player. Otherwise, yeah. you've got the world at your feet to be able to choose from. If you're not moving up to top two, top three, you're into the top ten, whatever, uh, the top ten picks can sometimes go awry. Best laid plans oh, yeah. fights and general managers. And before you know it, oh, shoot, everybody we thought was going to be there is gone. Yeah, I think the Eagles thought a corner was going to be there. Um, and all of a sudden, Horn and Sertan come off the board last year. Yeah, it never goes the way you think it's going to go. Um, and you're right. I mean, the Eagles going back to the Carson Wentz year, they claim they would have been all right with Jared Goff either way. I don't think that's the case, but that's what they claim. You know you can kind of whittle it down if you're at the top of the draft. I think it's more likely, you know, say 19, if they're trading out for a pick next year before the draft, you know, if they can – put somebody on that line, a you know, fishing line, I think they would consider something like that. But if it's about a player, yeah, you almost have to wait to draft day because like you said, you know, edge rushers are the perfect example. Cause I got this yesterday when I wrote about this and I've been talking about it and like, well, you can't trade the Eagles like a Jabo. It wouldn't be my first choice, but from people, I talked to, and it's still early in the process. Nobody's made their draft boards, but it's a kid they really like. Um, and they see some Brandon Graham comparisons, not just Michigan, the way he plays and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, 
the assumption is, and I get this 150 times and it drives me crazy, right? There's six edge rushers at the top of the draft or, you know, six really competent right. edge with, rushers. With Joe, by the way, take two off the board right away. Yeah. Because you know they're not getting one yeah, of the top exactly. two. They're both going to be well, So there's a group of four yeah. that could be there when the Eagles pick if the Eagles stay where they're at as of right now. So I think the assumption is, well, every team likes those four, and that's just not the case. We talk about it all the time. I, I try to bring people uh, on all the time. I, our buddy Blake Bedenfield, I'm trying to get him back on the show. If you remember him from last year, spent 20 years as the Titans director of college scouting. You know, we had Randy Mueller on. Everybody tells you the same thing. We had Chris Landry on. Who, who ran drafts in this league. You know, the board is, and again, New England's an outlier. The one year, I think it was 2017, their board was 65 players, 65 stinking players. Now, they didn't have a lot of picks, but still, 65. Which, oh, by the way, I don't believe that for a millisecond. I they might have They might have had a board that was only six. They had a couple lists in desks. If they needed to... Somebody had a list somewhere in the draft out. that they he just could pull out and, and be able out. to draft off. No, I, I, that's the way the Patriots do it. On a typical year, they're going to be at 100. Most teams are at 150. Maybe, maybe you get 175. And I mean, I've heard this from double-digit general managers who've done this. They are not lying. That's how targeted it is. So... You know, people are are doing their draft stuff, and it's fun and do it and have enjoying it. And they're you know whittling it down. They're talking about eight hundred players, and in this particular case, as the example I'm using, you know, so if you talk about those four players, Ajabo, uh, Johnson, uh, Carloptis, and Trayvon Walker. And by the way, I don't Walker to me is going to be a top ten pick. I think he's going up, but we'll see. Um, but if you you narrow it down to those four, I guarantee you the Eagles aren't going to like all four. There's going to be something they don't like about somebody, and they're not going to be a target. And if you're sitting there at 15 and you say, I got to have an edge rusher, I got to have an edge rusher, I got to have an edge rusher, and the guy you want, you know somebody's going to take him at 13 or, or, or 14, well, you got to get – the hell ahead of them. It happened last year with Devontae Smith. That's exactly the Eagles wanted three players. They wanted uh, the corners or, or Devontae was their last player. Now they wanted other players they knew weren't going to be there. I'm saying they thought one of those three players would trickle down to them at 12. Corners were gone. It was clear the Giants were going to take Devontae Smith. They moved up. They had to move up. That was the last player. That was sort of the ledge. And then if they were going to settle for somebody else, from their mind, from their evaluation standpoint, they would have been taking a deep drop. Uh, and they moved up, and they did what they had to do to get to the pl the player they wanted. Same thing could happen this year. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but they're not going to like all four of those guys exactly the same way. Right. And you said that your sources tell you the Eagles actually has a preference out of that group in the Jabo. I readily admit your sources are better than my sources, but I do have some people who have 
good feelings about the Philadelphia Eagles and good insight. And I heard they were just blown away by Jermaine Johnson senior ball week. Uh, now, is that enough for them to move him up on the board that they may have already had in place? And it's a very tentative board written on a whiteboard that an eraser can come by and uh, be able to change in a heartbeat. But uh, I heard that they were really impressed. And by, by the way, God. the Eagles have not put together their board. We haven't even gotten to pro days. It is very, very early in the process. Right. Um, it, it may not be a board. This is me back to my cynical self that don't believe the Patriots had a 65-man board. Uh, and um, as old school as I am, I'm saying it's a list that they can put into a desk. No, it's it's a spreadsheet on a computer file that they can add and subtract and move around rather easily. Um, it may not be a hard and fast board and or even a sheet, but somewhere, someplace, someone in the, those, how many 20 employees the Eagles have in their executive department, John? Yeah. yeah somebody's got a file on a computer, on a, on a. Oh, uh, they do. They do their homework on everybody. But right. what I'm saying is they eliminate people for whatever reason. It might be Sam Howe because he can't make free throws in mini hoops. I don't know. He might be off the board uh, ultimately. I have no idea. The best example is DK Metcalf. People won't stop talking about DK Metcalf. The Eagles missed DK Metcalf. The Eagles missed DK. He was off the board. It wasn't in the conversation for medical reasons. Uh, all kinds of reasons guys aren't considered by specific teams. And there's not a team in this league that has a draft board bigger than I'll, I'll get I'll go as high as 200 because if you have a completely uh you know rudderless organization that doesn't know what the heck they're doing they might not not you know crystallize it down um every I I mean you know and you can argue group think I that would be better because everybody does it the same way. Um, that would be a better argument to me. But the Patriots, man, they don't consider a lot of players. That is 100% true, Jim. I don't think they do 200, but I'm having trouble with 65. Uh, as oh, it's a, just one year, 65. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doubting it. Uh, you're not going to change my mind. I'm not going to change your Nick mind. Nick Cesaro's on record with it. Uh, okay. Uh, has has – How's his franchise going for me? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm not. Oh, okay. All that's right. a that's different right. conversation, Jody. You're arguing about the fact that it was. You, the, the, the conversation I've listened to was that it should have been more. That's a legitimate conversation. But I mean, the guy who put together the stinking board admits what it was. And Chris, as Chris, Chris Landry will tell you the same thing. That's what it was. Was you Chris can argue Landry, it should have been. Was Chris Landry working for the Patriots at that time? And oh, by the way, if he was, right. I wouldn't believe All him right. anyway. All I'm right. sorry, John, you're not going to convince me. All right. All I, right. I need to see video in the world. That wouldn't by even the way, there is video. I'm telling you, they got a file somewhere. By the way, there is video. Six through 150. I, I don't believe them. I think it's a stone cold lie. Let me look into the camera for you. I think they're lying. I know I what you think. They're lying. I think the Patriots taped practices before Super Bowls. I think they uh, deflated footballs, uh, and I think they lied about a sixty-five-man right. draft board. All right, Plain and all simple. right, Jody. All right. Um, you mentioned one name that really has boggled my mind with draft stuff this week with the combine. 
Sam Howell is moving up draft boards. Maybe even more ridiculous than the Eagles evaluating Sam Howell via how many free throws he can make on a mini basket is the fact that Sam Howell is moving up draft boards because he ran well this year. He increased the number of yards he ran with the football when he didn't complete passes down the field. He went backwards as a quarterback. He had a couple of really good, talented players graduate on him the year between his sophomore year and his junior year. Yeah, I read into that Sam Howell was made by his teammates rather than Sam Howell making his teammates. This guy has gone backwards in my eyes, but some people are saying he's actually moving up draft boards because he can run with the football. I watched Sam Howell run with the football. He's not a runner of the football. Yeah, there were some teams that so believed that he wasn't going to run with the football that they kept nobody home, and he had wide open fields. They turned the football up. Really? You're going to take Sam Howell? And this, I know, has no reference to Eagle fans because I think there's zero chance they're going to take Sam Howell. Would you actually consider him more of an NFL draftable player because Sam Howell can run with the football when you have guys like Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts and guys who can actually run with the football? He's not one of them. Yeah, I think with Sam, it's more movement skills, ability to extend plays, and he's more athletic, sort of in the, um, you know, a lot of people have compared him to Baker Mayfield, who can move a little bit. But no, he's not a running, he's not a running corner quarterback when you think about running quarterback. But I do think he's got more athleticism than people uh, give him credit for. I've said for a while, and by the way, the Eagles are not evaluating. I joke, they're not evaluating Sam Howell because he missed two free throws, three free throws, whatever the hell he missed. But, um, He's he's a weird evaluation. He's a difficult evaluation. I think I've said it before because, as you mentioned, he lost all his playmakers. You know, Javante Williams is a really good player. Michael Carter, you know from the Jets. Dynami Brown was a really good player, and they had a, another receiver who got drafted, I forget. Uh, but all four of his playmakers. Um, and, and then that offense just was a – disaster just the way they ran it i mean the the way they ran it with the good players was a disaster so i think people look at it uh as you know if you get him into a system and i and i you know brought up i mean baker mayfield's the comparison i've heard more than once with him and that was the number one overall pick in the draft now you can argue they shouldn't have taken him number one but nonetheless you know, if he's got that kind of skill sets, and I've heard people say, well, he's like Baker, but he's more athletic than Baker. And Baker was the number one pick of the draft. So the kid's got some talent. You know, how do you harness into it? I don't know. I I do put a little asterisk on him because I don't like him personally. But, man, I hate that offense. Man, I hate that North Carolina offense and the way they ran it. I didn't think they did him any favors is my point. I'm I'll give you make- I'll give you a Sam Howell comparison. Now, some Eagle fans will remember this and be able to turn back the clock mentally 25 years ago. But I remember saying this on WIP prior to the draft and then certainly after the draft when the Eagles tabbed the player that they did. Some people got really excited because Eagles drafted Bobby Hoying in the draft. And my take from the day they picked him was, yeah, I got to see it. Because Bobby Hoying had so many weapons around him 
in at Ohio State. Top first round draft pick, number one overall draft pick, Heisman Trophy winning draft picks. I said, did Bobby Hoying help make those guys or did those guys help make Bobby Hoying? And Hoying came in and played and he had the one game against Cincinnati when he and Boomer Esiason went up and down the field and Hoying out, actually outgunned uh, Boomer Esiason. And I remember they were ready to erect a statue to Bobby Hoying down at the, the vet because he had this string of two or three games, one of which was really good. I said, really, you're going to put him in Canton now after three games. And, of course, the bottom fell out on Bobby Hoy. That's it. Of course they are. Kevin Cobb, too. I mean, yeah, fans will do that. When guys have a good game and they'll, they'll you know, jump the gun. You know, these are NFL players. They're capable of having some good games, but – I yeah you know I wouldn't take Sam Howell. Um, I do think you know when we're going to be talking to Jimmy in a while because again when we hit the break look at his fifteenth pick Jody but uh, uh, you know I I think people are are you know putting together two and two when it comes to the Eagles in the quarterback position and nobody believes them and I've talked about this. Nobody believes they said, all right, we're going to stop. We're going to just build around Jalen Hurts. They're looking for an upgrade. How do you find an upgrade if you can't get Russell Wilson, if you can't get Deshaun Watson? Well, you got to go to the draft. You know, are any of these kids worthy of the 19th pick, say, or even a second round pick? Are you going to get, uh, 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 you know, if somebody falls, if Sam Howell falls, if Desmond Ritter falls, uh, you know, if somebody's there in the second round, do you consider it there? Do you want another dart for the dart board? The Eagles always talk about drafting quarterbacks. You got to draft one at least every. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Two years. Um, nobody believes them. Nobody believes this organization. Um, and they're going to evaluate the quarterbacks. And by the way, they have been evaluating the quarterbacks. Um, and that is one of the reasons nobody believes them and Sam Howell's in the mix would I take him no um but I I do at least hesitate and I do at least acknowledge that there were some issues at North Carolina and maybe he's better than I think he is um but that depends on and and really we've talked a lot about situation over the past couple days as well and I talked about situation with Kyle Hamilton situation with Micah Parsons Situation matters in this league. You know, is Nick Sirianni and this coaching staff good enough to develop a quarterback from ground zero? Well, they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be great teachers. You know, they're supposed to be able to get more out of the young talent that they thought the prior coaching staff didn't. Maybe, maybe, maybe that isn't lip service. Maybe it is. Yeah, I, I, I got a text here while you were talking, John. Uh, 
Mac Brown said, uh, do me a favor. Uh, <laughs> my issues with John McMahon yeah. here. Uh, here Mac, the- Mac's offense stinks, and I don't know who was running it for him. Uh, but- he, 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 he wasn't kindly to your critique of Mac Brown's offense the last couple of years in North Carolina. Uh, he's John McMahon. I'm Jordan McDonald. Got to take a quick time out because Jimmy Kemsky is going to join us about 15 minutes from now here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, a Tag Tuesday edition. We don't really have to sweat the tag here in Philadelphia because Eagles will not be tagging anyone. If the Eagles tag Derek Barnett today, John McMullen, <laughs> I will make a promise to you. It's been a decade plus, at least. Shoot, probably more like 15 years since my chin has felt the cold winter air. And the last couple of days have just been stone cold, nasty here in town. Not the uh, cold temperatures. Nice wind. temperature wise. Yeah, the wind is Man, brutal. the wind has been nasty. All I do is when I go outside, 
uh, during the day, get the dog out. I just go around my backyard picking up branches because they're littering my backyard from the too many trees we have in our backyard. That's better than me because I'm picking up siding, Jody. Siding. Ooh, the siding coming off the house? Yeah. yeah. Damn, that's nasty. Uh, sorry about that, big guy. Uh, but still work I don't want to be bothered doing. Um, yeah, I will... I will bear my chin for all our birds 365 guys. Yeah, you're you're going to be very comfortable. You don't have to worry about it. You don't I'll think, shave the, as you well. don't think the goatee's coming 17. off. 17.859 million. That is the franchise tag for a defensive end. 17.859 million. Yeah. Uh yeah. Not happening. No Not chance. Happening. No shot for for Derek Barnett to be the case. But I did that. Uh, I think we got sidetracked, as a matter of fact, because I uh, you said that uh, your source is telling you that the Eagles like Ajabu, the kid from Michigan. It's if they don't have a chance at uh, Thibodeau, if they don't have a chance at yeah, Hutchinson. No, Hutchinson, yeah. Right. Those two will be long gone before the Eagles pick, and we don't think that they've got uh, – th there's a good chance that both of those guys are gone in the top four picks. Uh, so the Eagles would have to get uber aggressive to get up to get one of those two, which neither one of them think they're doing, but then they've got a group of four other defensive ends that are probably going to go somewhere in the Eagles vicinity, maybe some before at least one will be on the board guaranteed. I think more like two, and it's not impossible. The three of the four are there actually there for their picking. You're saying your sources tell you they like a job. Uh, my source told me that they really were, uh, very impressed with Jermaine uh, Johnson uh, during the Senior Bowl week. Which one do you have rated highest? If you've got your own little uh, scouting opinion at this time, and I'm going to ask you on today's date to give me your opinion, and feel free to change it between now and the draft day, much the same. The Eagles can change their mind between now and the draft. Uh, but of those four, how would you rank them if they're all about? Uh, personally, and real quick, by the way, we got another tight end tag. Mike Desicki in Miami gets the tag <laughs> yeah, by the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, again, position-based, and it's cheap enough to, to be cost-effective for them. But I like the kid from Georgia, number one. I think he's a perfect fit. Trayvon Walker for – what Jonathan Gannon wants to do. He's so versatile. He can play wide nine. He can play five. He can play four. I can play three. I think he's the most versatile player and he likes to play multiple fronts. I think he would make the most sense. I also don't think he's going to be anywhere near 15 when we end this process. Uh, then I would have Karloftis number two. Um, and he's the safest one. I would say he's going to be a good player. Um, but the other two have higher ceilings, and that's where people um, get caught up. And I would put Ojabo through a, a three and, and, and Johnson four, just because Ojabo, I think, is a little bit more versatile, and he can move inside. Um, and, you know, they're all good. And, and, you know, when Howie was talking in Indy, you know, you remember at the very end – he, he went down one of his routes. He shouldn't have went down, and he kind of caught himself, and he said, basically, we're taking an edge rusher. And then he looked at Bob Lang and said famous last words. I'll grow to regret that because um, you, you say two are going to be there. Ah, you might be right. 
but I could also see six going in the first 14. That's how important this position is to the NFL. Now, it's unlikely, but that's what Howie was talking about. These, When there's runs at, at big positions, and obviously edge rusher is a huge position in the NFL, people get antsy. They trade up. They go, I got to go get my guy. I got to do this. You got to just put it in the back of your mind that, a bunch of these guys might come off the board a little bit quicker than you think. Yeah, this this will be fun. This is something that hopefully you and I are doing birds 365 together for the next seven, eight, nine, ten years uh, because we disagree on uh, how we would rank the this group of four defensive uh, ends. And again, so many people tell us this. There's just somebody that hammered it home for me, and I can't remember who it is. You can actually be right when proven wrong when it comes to evaluating talent because if the kid gets with the wrong team and they don't do the right things around them, you can a- absolutely have an evaluation of the guy's talents that don't play themselves out much. Now, it's probably more quarterback-related than defensive end-related, but you get with the wrong team, with the don't get to the uh, weapons. Situa- the- That's what I was saying. Situation matters, man. Correct. If you get it, if you get a wide nine defensive end and somebody's asking him to play five all the time, guess what? He's not going to be impressive. He's not going to be able to do it. But I, I rank them differently than you. You've got Jermaine Johnson last. I've got him first. I think he does have the best upside. I think if he lands with the right team that uses him correctly, he could be a uh, back-to-back year double-digit sack guy. And, you know, I I judge sacks. You judge sacks and pressures. I think pressures can be woefully overstated and misleading, as a matter of fact. I think this kid is going to be able to get home when he gets to the NFL. I'd have Walker second, Jabo third. Uh, Carlaptis, okay, he's a safe pick. I don't want safe. I want game breaking. If I'm taking a mid first round defensive end, I want a guy who takes the quarterback's head off, not plays good, solid run defense. And every once in a while gets good pressure. No, I would rank Carl left this last. And unfortunately, if John McMullen was just right in what you just said, Jody don't necessarily take the bet that three of the four or even two of the four, that there's a good chance. Only one's going to be left that the Eagles have to take them. And if it's Carlaftis, I think we're looking at another Brandon Graham situation. Yeah, well, I'll take that. Can I take that? Uh, excuse Can I me, did up? I say Brandon Graham? Yeah. I meant Barnett. Oh. Sorry. My oh. apologies, BG. Gonna, yeah. Didn't mean that. I meant uh, – sorry yeah. about that. That was just a slip of the tongue. I I'm meant Mr. Say, well, Barnett, I thought Mr. Graham. BG's never been a big sack guy, so I thought you were going that route. Right. Yeah. I was like, sign me up for that. But um, uh, a couple things, you know, it's – I do try to take into account, I don't know how you do it. I try to take into account what the Eagles are looking for from my perspective. So it's not necessarily always lining up. Um, and that's, you know, for me, the two that make m- the most sense for the Eagles are Walker, but I don't think he's going to be there. And Ojabo, um, you know, if you're just looking for a pure edge rusher, just somebody to pin his ears back, go after the quarterback and not going to be asked to play four eye and fucking five curse, <laughs> you know, which I think is silly, but um, then I might have a different estimation. But on Carloftis, you know, I do think because this happens everywhere, 
Daniel Jeremiah talked about this. You know, you say safe pick and people think it's an insult. It's not an insult. What it this kid's a legitimate first round pick. And it's not because he can stop the run. He's he's gonna be a really good, really good edge rusher. It's just that he's 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 got a higher floor than than the other guy. In, in other words, if things go wrong and you get him in a crappy system and uh, maybe the coaches don't take advantage of him. He's still going to be a good football player. He's going to figure out how to do some things. And maybe the other guy's got to uh, be uh, put in the right system and, and, and things of that nature. I, I don't think it's necessary, but people take it as an insult. I, I look at Karloftis as a, as a, a Hendrickson, a, 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 a Max Crosby type. Uh, who's going to get home half of the time on effort, uh, but he's also a good pass rusher. He's going to be a really good player. If the Eagles get any of these guys, you should be happy. Um, the question is, though, you always want to get the best of, of the lots for your particular team. And for me, it's far and away Trayvon Walker because of what they're going to ask him to do. Um but I don't think they're going to be in a position to get him. Um, so here's that's my, my personal thought. Here's my reason for having reservation about any Georgia defensive lineman and a job at Michigan. How much were they benefiting from their teammates? The Georgia's defensive line was just so good. Any team that had to try and stop Georgia's defensive line, who are you going to give help to? Who are you going to be most worried about? Who are you going to tell your back your job is to make sure you pick them up? On the Well, if you're using them against somebody else, who's taking advantage of that? I, th- th- there's an edge to all of the defensive play. I think they're all studs, but they were so good. There's a reason why Georgia was the best defense in the uh, college football this year and why they won a championship. They had an unbelievably talented defense, and you're going to see all these names come off the board in the first and or second round of the draft. It's unbelievable. Who's helping who? And that's that's where you really make your money as a scout. If you can identify the guy who is the kingpin of that defense. I don't know if Walker was or wasn't, so that scares me a little bit. And the same thing with Ajabo at Michigan. Uh, we've uh, already well, uh, Hutchinson, yeah. I mean, said that Hutchinson is going to be, he's got a chance to be the first pick. If not, he's probably going to be the second pick for the Lions. If somehow they decide to go in a different direction and two offensive linemen go first and then the two D ends go second and third and fourth, uh, he's not going to get past the fourth pick in the draft. Everybody acknowledges he's that good a player. Well, how much did a job will benefit from that? Because they were always keeping uh, the well, tight end yeah, on the and, other but side. And, and, and one, you're right. But one, then we all say, well, you know, uh, you know, all right, just pick an Alabama guy, just pick a Georgia guy. You know, wasn't you know, was Devontae Smith helped by uh, the 77 different receivers in that receiver room? Was he helped by the quarterback? Well, he was a damn good player. Was Landon Dickerson? He's a damn good player. Maybe. You know, maybe there's better players on Alabama. You know, that wide receiver room, I don't know. How do you rate that wide receiver room? 1A, 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 when 1A. Um, I, sometimes it is 1A, 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 and 1A. And I think that was the case on the Georgia defense uh, this year. 
Um, you know, people are raving about uh, Davis now because he ran so fast at 340 pounds. Um, you know, from my standpoint, it's just that look, look what the Eagles did last year with Jonathan Gannon and Ryan Kerrigan's playing out of position and playing five technique and playing four eye technique. And they're throwing because they want to show those multiple fronts. Well, that's exactly what what Walker did at Georgia. That's exactly the role he played with, you know, superstar level talent. I don't know. That makes a lot of sense to me. That's why I go in that direction. But while I say this to you, Jody, I don't think in a million years he's going to be there at 15 now. Not in a million years. So it's all mood anyway. No. If if Carloptis is picked off ahead of time, I'll be a happy guy because let me state it correctly this year. Derek Barnett reincarnate here in Philadelphia if they take George Carloptis, not Brandon Graham. That, that, so why that's uh, 40 and slip? I don't know. I don't know why I'd want to. I thought you're going the sack the route because BG doesn't, you know, BG's no, never had going, 10 sacks. No, I was going overall player. And yeah, uh, Derek Barnett. The Eagles have moved on from. They will not be slapping the tag on him, truth be told. I don't know if they moved on. If he has, you know, if, if he gets like no offers, they might bring him back on a one year deal. But yeah, they ain't going to franchise. Oh, I, I think it was my partner, John McMullen, who said, even. In the NFL these days, even guys like him get paid. Oh, yeah. He'll get paid. Yeah. He'll get some. Then then that means the Eagles won't be paying him. If somebody's foolish enough to pay him, God bless. His bigger issue is injuries, to be honest, because he's he's missed so much time. People are going to pause about that. Vaya con Dios, mi amigo. Uh, Johnny McDonald, John McMullen, we hope to be joined by one Jimmy Kemsky coming up next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Guys, here on Birds 365 is the two shot rather than the three box. Jimmy Kemsky running a little late. Uh, we're hoping he chimes on in here within the next couple of minutes. And we, when he does, we'll uh, surely punch him up because John referenced his uh, latest mock draft. I think it's 3.0, his third version, and all these guys. And shoot, we do. We're, quasi Mac drafts here every day and we'll get a whole bunch of draft guests up between now and April that will give us their mocks uh Jimmy Kemsky in his latest had the Eagles selecting a quarterback in the first round of this upcoming draft not only a quarterback but with the 15th pick so with the top Eagles pick he's got him going quarterback which I thought was interesting interesting yes and uh I I Hold on, let me check my phone. Yes, Calvin Ridley would like to bet against that. Uh, and <laughs> I, I would like to double down yeah, with but Calvin. Remember, remember, Jody, Calvin's not a good gambler. Yeah. So maybe Jimmy's on to something. I actually think Calvin will have gotten that one right if he uh, gets some kind of prop action on that one. All right, uh, we just, uh, at least I did, poke some fun at him, so we might as well punch him up. Here he is from phillyvoice.com, their lead Eagles columnist. Mr. Jimmy Kemsky, J.K., first of all, thanks for coming on. And secondly, Eagles going to take a quarterback with their first pick? What are you you having for breakfast? What are you putting on those rice cakes? You got to feed the quarterback factory, Jody. You know that. (laughs) I love it, Jimmy. Uh, Setting Eagles world asunder, as they say. Malik Willis, not only a first-round pick, the Eagles' first pick at number 15 overall. So, obviously – you're not buying the complete vote of confidence you heard in Indy from Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni with Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, the one thing that I really took away from the, the one thing that I, I'm glad is now public, uh, I should say, is uh, the four traits that uh, Nick Sirianni. Yeah, same here. I said that because I've been he, saying it. Yeah, he, and he said went public. The, I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> he said it during the off the record yeah. session as you yeah. as you were there. I'm sure yeah. uh, during the season where and he listed them in the order that he thought they were you know you know yeah. important at least important. But uh, it was accuracy. It was uh, decision making. Uh, three was escapability. You know, being yeah. able to make off schedule plays and such. And then four uh, arm strength. And um, you know, up on the podium, he said that he felt that hurts checked three of those boxes he thought the arm strength was above the line that they look for the uh escapability certainly is there we can all agree yeah. with that and then um the uh decision making uh work in progress there but getting much better so i would agree certainly with uh the escapability and uh i agree also that i think he's a work in progress in terms of decision making he's getting better uh, in that in that in that area uh, I would disagree that he has good arm strength. I think it's fine. I don't think it's a negative necessarily, yeah, I think but it's certainly average. not a positive. Yeah, yeah. It's a, he's got an average. He's got an average arm, in my opinion, and certainly the accuracy is not where it needs to be. So when I look at quarterbacks, um, you know, either available in terms of via trade uh, or you know in the in this upcoming draft, you know, you have your Russell Wilsons of the world, you have your Deshaun Watsons, 
And, you know, obviously those guys would be major upgrades uh, in terms of their talent level over Jalen Hurts. Um, in the draft, I think that a guy like Malik Willis, if you're looking for a higher ceiling than what uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, may give you, he's the guy because I think he can do pretty much everything that Hurts can do as a runner, but he's just got way more arm talent. The accuracy is, is you know, an issue with, with Willis as well, but certainly his arm strength and his just overall arm talent uh, is is on a different level than Hertz's. And I think he's a guy that, you know, may, maybe has a higher ceiling than a guy like Jalen Hertz. Well, and you, John, John will tell you, Jimmy, and uh, he'll confirm the fact that I'm a pretty big Sirianni fan. How do you go down that list and come up with those four quarterback traits and not add leadership to it? When, when you're, you're trying to make a case for Jalen Hurts is your quarterback when we all know all of his teammates tell us every time we turn around, somebody's talking about the leadership traits of Jalen Hurts. How do you not factor that in and make it a list of five rather than four? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question because it really is, you know, one of his strongest suits is, you know, sort of those intangibles, whether you want to call it leadership or intelligence or, you know, sort of, um, you know, getting getting his teammates to sort of buy into to him as, as the guy. Uh, he has certainly achieved that, in my opinion, uh, in, in his first two years with the Eagles. He has, he has you know, looked at um, – he's respected by, by the team and the coaching staff. Uh, so you're right. Like, if he was trying to cater those four traits to making the argument for Jalen Hurts, then, yeah, certainly he would uh, include that trait in there. I don't know if he was really doing that, though. I think he was maybe just being honest in, in the four things that he values the most. Yeah, and I think he was talking more on-field. I, I think everybody right. kind that of defaults. Yeah, he was talking about on-field stuff. Everybody well, defaults. Leadership does come on-field, does it not? Well, it more, it, it, it's more of, you know, one of the things that I've always found ironic about Jalen is we always talk about young quarterbacks. We go, okay, he's he's got this talent. He's got this ability. And we always talk about, but is he a leader? Is he, it, We always talk about the intangible stuff. With Jalen... The, the the interesting part, we know he's got all the intangible stuff at a young age, and we're questioning can he play at a high level from a physical standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm you know, and Nick can talk for himself, but I think he was talking about on field. And that is what would concern me, Jimmy, because he is pretty consistent about accuracy, accuracy, and he's not the only one in the NFL. All these right. coaches talk about accuracy. And you mentioned Jalen's accuracy isn't up to snuff, but is Malik Willis's accuracy up to snuff, or is it at least better? I do think it's better. Uh, at least I think he was a more accurate prospect coming out of college than Hertz was when he came out of college. His numbers are good, uh, Hertz. Of course, he played in that Lincoln Riley offense with yeah. crazy weaponry at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Malik Willis was playing with nobodies at Liberty. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think Willis is more accurate on the run in particular. Like we, we saw during the season where, um, if teams were able to keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket, then, you know, and they forced him to beat him down the field, then that was a problem area. But I also think that, uh, th there were times where when Hurts did escape the pocket and he had to throw, he wasn't very accurate when on the run, especially yeah. to his left. In yeah. Can't go left. Can't, can't go, go left. left. He's like uh, Zoolander. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, <laughs> I do think that Willis is, uh, is a little bit more accurate and the, and the book on him, this isn't my own analysis, but the, the book on him is that, you know, if he gets his mechanics cleaned up uh, with the legit, you know, NFL quarterback coach in the NFL, um, that accuracy is, is, uh, you know, has potential to improve substantially.
All right. Uh, we did reference your latest mock draft, and you kind of went outside the box with quarterback. Not like the Eagles won't take quarterback in the first round. We know they have plenty of times over the years. Um, but uh, this year is questionable. I question it. Others will. Good for you, Jimmy. If I have a nerve enough to go there, <laughs> don't think it's happening. Um, but you also went uh, the end and cornerback, which are places where the Eagles oftentimes go. Yeah. I'm going to make you go off the reservation, off the board. If they decide to take either a safety or a linebacker, which they never do in the first round, only 1970, safety never. Never. Before. Yeah. Are there anyone reasonably on the board at that time where the Eagles have to go? All right, forget history. This player is too good. He's rated too high on our board. We have to call on his name. Who's that guy going to be? So at safety, it's Kyle Hamilton from uh, Notre Dame. If he somehow fell to 15, then I think the Eagles would have to strongly consider it. I don't think he's going to make it down that far. Um, so probably not even, not even a decision they'll have to make. And then at linebacker, if there's a year where it's possible that they could go that route, I think it's this year because they have three first-round picks. So I think you know all tables are on or all options are on the table, and um, there are good linebackers that are worthy of you know a first-round pick. Certainly, in Nicobe Dean from uh, Georgia, Devin Lloyd from uh, Utah. I know that like some people think Chad Muma of Wyoming is a potential first-round pick. I don't think you take him where the Eagles are, uh, but you know it's it's obviously been a point of contention for Eagles fans anyway, over the last few years. I mean, they always need linebackers. Um, Howie did mention during his podium session at the combine that um, the requirements for a linebacker are different uh, uh, in, in the current defense than they were when Jim Schwartz was here. So, you know, maybe that changes their priority prioritization level uh, at the linebacker position. Maybe that bumps it up a little bit uh, remains to be seen. I think, I think they are going to put more resources into uh, the linebacker position this offseason, whether that be in uh, free agency or, uh, you know, in maybe not in the first round, but if in the second, third round, maybe for a linebacker, uh, because, I mean, they, they clearly still have a need there. TJ Edwards is a nice player, and he'll probably, you know, remain a starter in 2022. But beyond him, you really don't have much at the linebacker position that you can really depend on. So uh, it remains a very clear need for this team. And and uh, I do think they will up their resources. It would be a total, um, you know, sort of going in the opposite direction to take a, a linebacker with, you know, their 15th or 16th overall pick or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I do think if there is a year that they're going to do it, more likely this this year than others. Yeah, Jimmy, you, you kind of brought up one thing, not the first time Howie has contradicted himself, but he often <laughs> talks about um, yeah. being an extension of the coaching staff. And you mentioned – he said things have changed from an evaluation standpoint, especially on defense with Jonathan Gannon versus Jim Schwartz. He also said we're renting Jonathan Gannon. Mm -hmm. And the last time this team says they took the coaching staff's advice, they took Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Did they learn from that? I mean, if, if Gannon's not going to be here, they're renting him. Why are we worried about what Jonathan Gannon wants True. to run yep. as far as, you know, getting the best player potentially available? Yeah, I think Bo, uh, Bo Wolf asked the follow-up question on that, um, where he said, do you cater your selections to the current coaching staff? And, you know, 
what you think is going to be there from year to year. And uh, he said, no, I mean, he then he sort of backtracked on the idea that, <laughs> you know, they had to find players that, that fit the yeah. scheme. And he said, well, no, we got to find good players first and foremost. And then, you know, so on and so forth. But yeah, I, I, I do agree with, uh, with your point there that, um, I mean, Jonathan Gannon almost got a head coaching job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought that was crazy that he almost got a coaching job. But he, the fact of the fact of the matter is, he almost did, and they, you know, Texans wind up going with Lovey Smith instead. So yeah, he may or may not be on rented time. Uh, we'll we'll know more on that in, in a year or so. But uh, they they gotten into trouble in the past by fitting player to the scheme. We saw that you know sort of take place during the Chip Kelly era, and then once Chip was gone, then they had to re- completely change over the defense. Uh, to, to fit, you know, Jim Schwartz's scheme instead. So, yeah, you got to be careful with uh, finding niche players for specific schemes that might be worthless if the scheme has to change. All right. Uh, got to tell you, Jimmy, after your first overall pick for the Eagles, Malik Willis, I just don't see it happening. <laughs> and if it does, I will be absolutely bummed out by it. I like basically every other pick of your draft. Okay. Going down, through position, by the guys, where the Eagles take them and the like. I just love the guys that you've taken in the positions that you've taken them. I think Johnson's going to be their guy. Uh, J-Mac kind of likes uh, Jabo better. I like yeah. Johnson better. Um, to get uh, Pierce, the running back out of Florida in the fifth round. Damn, I hope you're right about that. I think he's going to be gone before that. I think he's uh, more highly rated. But that would be just a stone-cold steal. Uh, give us your thought process on the rest of the draft after you made the mistake of taking the league bullets <laughs> with the first pick. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I think Malik Willis is going to be gone by the time the Eagles pick. This is just okay. a scenario I, where he I falls. Yeah. Oh, uh, let me just interrupt, <laughs> and I'm sorry. I meant to say this to you. I think you could end up being right. He could go at that spot, yeah. but I think the Eagles are going to trade out of that. They spot. could, sure. I think someone will move up to take Malik Willis and how he will add extra draft assets because of it. Yeah. Well, the, the other first-round picks that I had in there were Jermaine Johnson, the defensive end from Florida State. Really weird uh, college career in that he got bad grades in high school and was ineligible for uh, you know scholarships. So he played at JUCO level for a couple of years, transferred to Georgia, uh, was a situational player at Georgia, but didn't get a lot of playing time. So he transferred to Florida State, and then he breaks out there, has a, a great senior bowl, uh, had a great combine, and uh, yeah, he's – sort of worked his way into top 10 consideration. The Eagles are almost certainly, if they keep all three of their picks, and even if they don't, they are almost certainly going to take an edge rusher in this draft, in my opinion, whether it's uh, Jermaine Johnson, whether it's uh, David Ajabo, like uh, you just mentioned, and who John likes apparently. And, uh, you know, you have other guys that are going to be gone by the time the Eagles pick like Aiden Hutchinson, like uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, the, the Georgia guy, um, Trayvon Walker. Yeah, Walker Trayvon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of it's where the Eagles are, are fortunate is that the quarterback uh, discussion aside, their biggest need by far and away is edge rusher. And it also happens to be the strength of the first round of this draft yep. and, and more specifically the first half of the first round of this draft. So they're going to find a, a guy that's going to fall to them at that spot, whether it's Johnson or Ojabo. I didn't even, I didn't even mention George Carlaftis. Carlaftis yeah. So they're go- there's going to be almost certainly somebody that's left for them uh, at pick 15 and they can just sit and pick, I think. Uh, so, you know, in this, in this scenario, I have Jermaine Johnson going there. And then the cornerback position is sort of a weird one in that Darius Slay is still a good player. Uh, I think Steven Nelson is going to leave in free agency. Uh, they have Avante Maddox, who they, you know, re-upped on a, on a lucrative, you know, contract extension. And then all throughout the offseason and during the season last year, they seem to be stockpiling corners. Yeah. A lot oh, yeah. of young guys like Tay Gowan. They drafted Zach McPherson. 
They uh, they had uh, Carrie Vincent, um, uh, Andre Don't forget Mac McCain, Mac, Mac, McCain. Mac and Mac. Yeah. <laughs> they just added all these guys, and they yeah. kept them on the roster all season. So I think they just threw a lot of stuff against the wall, and they'll see what sticks. Uh, maybe they think that the cornerback position isn't as big a need because they've been doing that all year. Uh, as you know, people like you know you, me, and and, and Jody, they, we may think the cornerback position is you know more of a need than than the Eagles do. But uh, I, I think a guy like Andrew Booth uh, from Clemson is a guy who could you know be there when they're picking 15, 16, 19, uh, wherever it may be. Um, and and he's a guy that I think is is talented in terms of ball skills, speed, uh, swagger, that kind of stuff. So. Uh, I do like him as as potential Eagles target too. Uh, one position, Jimmy, that the Eagles do seem to think more highly of than people like us probably is receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least if you kind of buy uh, their hype in Quez Watkins, um, you have not taken a receiver in the third round, I believe. And I think it makes a lot of sense because it's uh, Justin Ross, who's this big, you know, six three, six four sort of X receiver and that's in theory what they would need. Mm-hmm. Are you buying this team loving Quez Watkins that much that they think he's a legitimate wide receiver too? Or are we going to see something in free agency or, or the draft? I think you're going to see something in free agency and the draft. <laughs> like I think they're going <laughs> to sign a receiver in free agency and then also one in the draft, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't like Quez Watkins. Um, in my opinion, they have two playable receivers right now in Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. And that's it. Like you, you don't want any of those other guys on the field. Greg Ward's done some nice things here, but let's be real. Like no defense is afraid of that guy. JJ probably done. Jalen Rager, huge disappointment. So yeah, I do think they're <laughs> going to sign a guy in free agency, like a guy like Zach Pascal uh, of the Colts who, you know, Nick Sirianni has yeah. raved about in the past un- unprompted. Uh, he's, he's a free agent. DJ Chark is a guy who makes sense if they're looking for a slot corner or excuse me, a slot receiver. And I think a guy like Christian Kirk, uh, makes some sense. So there are some guys that, that are out there that, uh, you know, might be like mid-level priced, uh, for, you know, free agent wide receivers. I wouldn't go too deep into the wide receiver, you know, piggy bank, because a lot of those guys tend to bust out, uh, after, you know, they get big deals. So, you know, mid-level free agents, you know, wide receiver signing makes sense. And then in the draft, just because it's so stacked and it has been, you know, over the last few years, it's just yeah. a, another stacked wide receiver class. So if you can get one and, and have one on the cheap for the next four years or so, uh, I wouldn't rule out one in the first round, by the way, because just because they drafted a receiver in the first round the last two years doesn't mean they'll, they won't do it again this year, in my opinion, because again, they have three picks. So like every, every options on the table and the best, if the best, player on the board when they're picking is a receiver and he fits your offense he fits what you're looking to do and he can help your team go right ahead and take him. like i don't, I don't care what the history is you, i mean you drafted jalen rager he busted like i said you only have two playable receivers so you still need one uh but yeah certainly wide receiver is going to be something they address uh either in fr- free agency or the draft perhaps both and i love the fact that uh as we've just been breaking down these guys that what they did in the combine in the last couple of weeks talking about how good the Georgia defense is. That's one of the reasons why I'm concerned about Walker. I know how skilled, I know how talented he is, but their defense was just so jam-packed with playmakers. Who was making it easier for his teammate because they were drawing more attention? Jimmy, in your latest mock, you got the Eagles taking a Georgia kid. Who you got? <laughs> That's right. I have the punter. <laughs> I have the Georgia punter. Uh, whose name I can't even remember now. Uh, 
Yeah, Camarado. Yeah, Jake Camarado. Yeah, uh, he's not the other kid though. He's, from yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Areza. Is, yeah, San Diego is, is State. Yeah, the I saw he got the podium treatment. Oh, you never he? see a, a, a punter get the podium treatment. <laughs> he might go like day two, is yeah. what uh, is is what some people are are saying. Because I mean, he's he's a guy that can punt the ball literally uh, eighty five yards, and I don't mean eighty five yards like punt it. Yeah. 85 from where he's standing. I mean, 85 plus like the 15 yards where they're standing back from on the long snap. Like that guy has just a, a cannon for a leg. Uh, and we saw Aaron Sipos at the end of the year last uh, year turned into yeah. sort of a shankopotamus in those last two games, the yeah. Yeah. game against Dallas. And then he hurt them in the playoff game uh, against Tampa Bay as well. So, um, you know, I don't know they're going to take a punter or not, but I just kind of threw him in there at the end for fun. Yeah, I thought, you know, one, when they were coming off the Super Bowl when Jimmy, everybody thought uh, they were so talented and so deep, didn't turn out to be that way. But I yeah. was, at, at, during that draft, I said, that was the Michael Dixon draft. I said, why not draft mm. a punter? You know, they, okay. Donnie Jones was aging. I got killed for it. Anytime you bring up a punter, <laughs> I got I, I got killed for it. I, I still think it would have made sense. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing on day three. I, I do want to uh, – I should have asked this earlier, but uh, if the Eagles take the three first-round picks, um, which I don't think they're going to do, I think they're going to move up, move Agreed. down, move out, something. But if they do, if they're forced to, because you always need two to tango. Just because you want to trade doesn't mean you can trade. Mm-hmm. Is there enough discipline? You've been around this team for a long time. Jeffrey Lurie believes what he believes about the offensive side of the football. They hired an offensive head coach. Again, they always do since Ray Rhodes. Do they have the discipline to take three defensive players <laughs> in the first round of the draft? Because my answer would be no. Yeah, you look at their history in the first round, and it, it's heavy Offense, you know, I mean, they, they took Derek Barnett, of course. They took Fletcher Cox back in the day. They took Barry Graham. And I think for the most part, they've had hits in the first round with uh, defensive players. I wouldn't put Derek Barnett in that category, to be clear. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> certainly they, they seem to be valuing offense more than defense. And, you know, there's also the debate, too, on, you know, how do you build a roster, generally speaking? Do you want to be – a complete roster because you got to give there's some someone's got to give somewhere do you want to be like a complete you know just really solid roster both on offense and defense or do you want to be elite on one side of the ball or the other and i kind of lean toward them wanting to be elite on one side of the ball or the other specifically on offense um so yeah i mean if if there's an offensive player and a defensive player that they have rated very similarly and they're both on the board when they're picking I mean, I don't think they're going to take an offensive lineman, of course, uh, in the first round. Certainly not an offensive tackle. Maybe you can make an argument for a guard or a center if Jason Kelsey, you know, doesn't announces that he's going to retire. Uh, but if there's an offensive player on the board and similarly rated to a defensive player, I think they're going to take the offensive player. Mm, all right, J.K., simple question here. What team will Carson Wentz be playing for in 2022? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it was interesting listening to Chris Ballard, the uh, the Colts GM at the Combine, where, I mean, in, a pol- in a, I guess, a sort of polite way, was just crushing once. Like, a question after question was just kind of being brutally honest about, um, you know, Wentz and, and the quarterback position. And the telling thing that he said was um, basically about 
you know, people are going to talk and can you just turn that off and lead? Can you, can you be a leader and, and turn off, you know, the, the, the negative comments? And he wasn't necessarily saying that about Wentz specifically. He was, the question he was asked was, you know, what are the traits that you look for in a quarterback? And he said, I can stand up here and I can say accuracy and I can say arm strength and I can say, you know, don't turn the ball over and whatever. But ultimately in the, in the NFL, you know, you're, the quarterback is the most important position in sports and you're going to be, uh, you know, taken apart, you know, evaluated, sort of like over-evaluated, uh, et cetera. And can you tune that out and just lead the team? And he just volunteered that answer. And it was, you know, pointed toward Carson Wentz, in my opinion. I think they're done with him. I think they're probably going to wind up having to cut him. Like they're not even going to be able to trade him because uh, his salary going forward, if you trade for him, you're paying him 20 million. And I don't think any team is going to value him at 20 million. We'll see. You never know. Like teams get crazy with quarterbacks. So it's possible that somebody can you know, talk themselves into his skill set or whatever, but I think he's going to get cut. And I think he's eventually going to land with a team that uh, sort of use him as like option C or D. I think the team that kind of makes some sense that like has, you know, targeted these, you know, reclamation project sort of quarterbacks is the Panthers. Like, cause they, they kind of did that with, with Sam Darnold a bit. Um, they were interested maybe in trading for Gardner Minshew at the, at the deadline last year. Couldn't get something done there with the Eagles reportedly anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I think if there's a team that, that maybe he could land that, that needs a quarterback that whiffs somehow either in free agency, the trade market or in the draft, uh, that's maybe where he could land. Just, 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 just a note that you re- write this one down. Remember the date I said it. Carson Wentz, backup quarterback, Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. Doug Peterson. Back with oh. Doug. Oh, yeah. I'd like that. I would like to see it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's a shot in the dark. Why the, there's yeah. so much crap between he and Dougie P, which I never really believed because <laughs> he turns around and says, get me the hell out of here, even after Peterson gets fired. So that was woefully <laughs> overstated. It wouldn't be surprised. Now, he's going to have to adjust. Uh, the point Jimmy made about mental capacity and maybe Carson doesn't have it. He's going to really have to get it together to be a backup to Trevor Lawrence. But if nobody else is offering a job out there and coach P calls, is Carson going to say, no, I'm ready to retire. I'm not sure about that. It's really hard to see him accepting a backup role. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, like you said, like he may not have a choice Like that may the starting role might not present itself, but that'll be interesting if no starting roles present themselves yeah. and he is forced. And, and, and by the way, guys, we were talking about Nick Sirianni evaluating the quarterback position. He was talking about on field stuff because he knows the off field <laughs> stuff is handled with Jalen hurts. And that yes. is the impressive part of, of Jalen hurts. So there is some positives when it comes to, when it comes to Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. but last one for me and everybody follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky does a phenomenal job at Billy boys, phillyboys.com. See his latest uh, mock draft, which is going to change as soon as free agency oh, starts. Sure. <laughs> so you mentioned people talking, people talking indie. So any whispers of free agents thinking, thinking Eagles, because that will change your mock draft. So the one, like I mentioned earlier, Zach Pascal. I mean, Nick Sirianni has just mentioned him over and over and over again throughout since he's, you know, he thanked him on his initial press conference. He was a guy who, um, before the last preseason game this year, 
they cut up tape of players that showed something in the final preseason game and ultimately made the team from past like you yeah, know, past yeah. experiences. He was one of them, along with guys like Austin Eckler and stuff like that. Um, he, Zach Pascal got mentioned then. Uh, Sirianni. Uh, there's like two other times that you mentioned him in press conferences, for, like just unprompted. So he loves that guy. If they're in the past, how he has sort of let coaches bring their guys in. Like Doug, they let him bring in Chase Daniel. We saw him allow Jim Schwartz to bring in like a half dozen different guys oh, yeah. from from future uh, from from uh, you know past uh, you know coaching stops. He's a linebacker from the Lions. Remember that <laughs> guy? Nothing. Stephen yeah. Tulloch. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's a, there's a long list of Schwartz guys. I think if there's one guy that they'll let Sirianni bring in, it's it's a guy like Zach Pascal. And then, you know, I mentioned some of the other wide receivers earlier, like DJ Chark and Christian Kirk. And I think some of those guys make sense. Um, they seem to dra- they seem to, you know, sign a linebacker every year that either gets cut during training camp or during the <laughs> season. So it'll be interesting to see who that guy is this year. Uh, safety, they certainly have to, to, to improve that position because they have, of course, Rodney McLeod and Anthony Harris, who are unrestricted free agents. Of the two, I think Rodney's the more likely guy to come back. But they also have to find somebody else from the outside. I know that uh, that you think Justin Reed is, is yeah. a guy who makes a lot of sense. I agree on that. Other guys like uh, Marcus May, I think, makes some sense. Uh, that can be – Justin Reed, I think, would be like a multi-year deal. Like you're bringing him in long-term. A guy like Marcus May is probably just another one-year Band-Aid like, like Harris or like a Steven Nelson, et cetera. But they're not going to be able to make any big splashes, I don't think. Uh, they are going to be able to make some if they if they do make a splash. The one position I could see that would be edge rusher or like that Sam position that, where they got basically nothing out of Jannard Avery and Patrick Johnson last year. So guys in that mold would be like a Hassan Reddick or uh, Uchenna Nuosu from from the Chargers. Um, edge rusher, you know, maybe a little thinner there. Like there's some guys that are going to make a ton of money. Uh, they're not going to be able to afford those guys, but uh, the positions that I would look for are, are safety, of course, wide receiver. And, uh, and and maybe edge rusher if they open up the purse strings a little bit. All right, last one for me, J.K., and if you're right about your latest mock and the Eagles' first pick is uh, Malik <laughs> Willis at quarterback, what's his stick figure look like? How will I know that you're depicting Malik Willis we got, when yeah, the Eagles the quarterback you get your first cartoon out there for uh, the Eagles' uh, quarterback competition? I just grab ESPN's headshots and uh, I pop them onto a body that I draw. There's nothing. I mean, it's it's just his face, so you can just tell right from his face what it'll look like. But maybe he'll have like a a cannon arm as opposed to like a like um. In pre- I used to draw Matt Barkley with like a noodle arm. So maybe, uh, maybe uh, Malik Willis will have like a cannon for an arm. Yeah, you you might have to the jugs gun that one up a little bit. Sorry, uh, JK, always a pleasure. Appreciate it whenever you come on. Uh, you do an outstanding job for Philly Voice. You do for us as well when you hop on. Thanks Appreciate for doing it, it today. Yep, no Thanks, problem. Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice here with us on Birds 365. All right, checking the clock. Oh, it's running down. McMullen and McDonald coming back. What are we going to do? Put a bow on the show. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We thank JK Jimmy Kemsky. Popping aboard, uh, appreciate his insight. I this was something I did want to get to earlier in the show. Didn't my bad. Uh, so let's sneak it in here at the end. Um, it's funny because I got a bunch of calls about this on my national show over the weekend. Cowboy fans, they're everywhere. And oh, by the way, if you go back and watch on the re-air, Good Morning Football, they just lambaste the Cowboys today. Kyle Brandt, who I know a lot of people in Philadelphia, like, because he's like a quasi-Eagle fan. He was so much on the bandwagon. The Super Bowl year was not even funny. Um, he's not a stone-cold, wear his heart on his sleeve Eagle fan, but he's he's an Eagle fan. And, man, did he take the Cowboys apart today. Said, I've just gone to a dark place with them. I can't even talk about them right now. I don't care about them at all. They haven't made the Super Bowl, and we just was ripping into them, which Eagle fans had to appreciate if they heard that today. But that being said, the Cowboys may very well part ways with Amari Cooper. And I know he's got eight years of NFL tread on his tire, but he's still only going to play at 28 this upcoming year. He came into the league at a very early age. Now, his numbers were down a little bit last year. He went down from 92 catches the year before to 68 catches this year. But his touchdown actually went up from five to eight. Uh, Amari, uh, excuse me, uh, C.D. Lamb is going to be their number one wide receiver going forward. You know it. I know it. Amari knows it. 
And that's why they're contemplating just flat out releasing him this year because he's scheduled to make $20 million. What is Amari? If he hits the open market as a free agent, what kind of deal is Amari Cooper going to get? Are the Philadelphia Eagles going to be in the bidding for? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I thought we talked about this when it first came out. Maybe I, I, I know I wrote about it on, on Sports Illustrated uh, when they first speculated that he'd be released. I think he's going to make a little bit too much money, but more, you know, Jimmy mentioned some of the names, DJ Chark, Zach Pascal. I think that's more of the range the Eagles want to be in um, when it comes to free agency. And I think he's going to get much more than that. But more from Amari's standpoint, I've talked about this a lot. Until the Eagles change, until the Eagles prove that they can get a player like that to football consistently, and that, in other words, they're going to be pass-heavy offense because you know, look, as Amari Cooper, Devontae Smith's the guy here. Uh, Dallas Goddard's the guy here as far as, you know, one and two or one A and one A. And you'd be fitting in as that secondary complement who is used to getting the football a lot and more so, you know, maybe you have to take a one-year prove-it deal to get back up to the level that you think you want to get paid at from a money standpoint. What do you have to do to do that, Jody? You got to put together big numbers and you got to put that together. And the Eagles are a run-first offense right now, and they should be. And I don't think they're in the conversation for high-volume receivers like Amari Cooper. I just don't think they would want to play here right now until the Eagles change that narrative. But should the Eagles change that narrative this offseason? Oh, they if should. You have to make, if you but, have to make the decision ahead of time, you got to decide first and then let that decision guide what your offense is going to be next year. Should they do that now and say, we're, we're flipping the script Although we had more success running the football last year than passing it. We believe in the passing game. We're going to make the passing game better by making additions like Amari Cooper. Should they do that as soon as free? Well, I think they would like to do it. I think it's difficult to do it from a player. You got to prove it to the players. In other words, you know what we talk about the quarterbacks all the time, Deshaun Watson. And I know we got to go here, but Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, not, waiving their no trade clause because they didn't think there was enough playmakers or whatever the situation would be. You have to change that narrative first, and then the players will look at you. Uh, And the Eagles started that last year with Devontae and Dallas emerging as a top tight end. But I think they're still in that process. And right now they're not looked upon – by the players in the league as an offense that's going to chuck the ball all over the place. And that doesn't, um, that doesn't make you look good to the top level receivers is well, how yeah, where are you say. going, but it is one of those chicken and egg things. Do you get the players first and that changes the narrative or you can, can you change the narrative before you get the players? Uh, it'll be something we'll and be speaking discussing. of the Cowboys, Dalton Schultz tagged another they, tight they end. go tight end too another tight end tag yeah. by the way i haven't kept got and i gotta get this in like share subscribe jacob media <laughs> to us here on uh, birds 365 when we're back in 22 hours john mcmullen i'll see you right here tomorrow you will see me hopefully with some uh big siding uh that's that's my no, day you, you don't have to bring the siding onto the show we believe yeah. you 
But uh, siding or not, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, back here tomorrow on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.